You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? It is Thursday night, 8.20 on the dot, and we got uh, a big move to talk about. It's funny, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott had a press conference today, the first time we've heard from them since January, and last minute, it was scheduled for 2 o'clock, we got a push notification that things got moved back an hour, and obviously there's been a lot of movement on the Zach Ertz, in the, in the Zach Ertz rumor mill the last couple of days. And so everybody on, on Bill's Twitter got to thinking, but it ended up being a much different move that we're going to talk about tonight. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan T- Talbot. This is the Buffalo Bills uh, Shout Football Podcast, and uh, it's not the move that anybody was expecting, Ryan. <laughs> no, it definitely caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of in, working in the background a little bit when I saw the press conference got moved. I didn't think it was Ertz though, just because trades are tricky in that in that regard. Where why would you call a press conference hours ahead of a potential trade where things could fall through and, and fall apart? I didn't know what it was for though. That was the thing. I didn't know you know if there was a signing on the horizon and who it would be or why they would call a press conference. But uh, it, it raised some eyebrows, and for some fans, you know, it, it, there's a lot of reaction. We'll, we'll just say that right after, but. When you really sit down and think about it, and especially if you sat and listened to that press conference, Mitch Trubisky makes a ton of sense for this team. Mitchell Trubisky. I was just listening and thinking here. We haven't even mentioned the move. If you uh, have not heard yet, uh, the Bills have a new backup quarterback. Uh, Brandon Bean called up uh, uh, Matt Barkley today, shortly before the press conference on a, on a call with uh, Sean McDermott to inform him that the team was moving on in a different direction um, and that direction is Mitchell Trubisky on a one-year deal that's worth up uh, two and a half million. I think there's some incentives in there that could maybe get it to go up a little bit more. Uh, but the plan of now is not to have Mitchell Trubisky play. In fact, Sean McDermott or uh, Brandon Bean came straight out and said, "You know, this is a short-term deal. We don't expect him to be here long-term. This is a reset button for Mitchell Trubisky after you know the trials and tribulations of the Chicago experience." It's funny. He may be the poster child for our good buddy over at Buffalo Rumblings, uh, Bruce Nolan's uh, uh, mantra that quarterbacks are not a, uh, uh, wins are not a quarterback stat. And he was he's gone twenty nine and twenty one over his career in Chicago. And you know you you start really combing through the stats, and if you watched him play. It just never seemed to click for them, and uh, their their offense has ranked in the bottom 10 in the league going back to his rookie year, and a lot of that is on him, and they've tried different things. They brought in Nick uh, Foles last year. That didn't work, and so now the the Bears don't pick up his fifth-year option. He becomes an unrestricted free agent, and he decides the best plan for him is to you know hitch his hopes onto the Buffalo Bills wagon, learn uh, under Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen, uh, about what's went so well here and maybe give himself a chance to parlay this 
into uh, a, a better offer, a better situation in 2022. Yeah, and it does make sense. If you look around the league, you know, look what Andy Dalton did. And obviously kind of ironic because Dalton is now in Chicago. Uh, he signed with the Cowboys last year, not knowing if he'd play at all, knowing that, you know, Dak Prescott was there, but I, I can kind of be a backup. I can uh, sit for a year. Maybe that will help me. Maybe it'll help my game. And then an opportunity arose. And, and I don't think anyone, any Bills fan is hoping that an opportunity arises for Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> but having an opportunity to learn from Brian Dable, to learn from Ken Dorsey, to enter a system that's very pass-happy, to enter a system – uh, where you can play with another quarterback who has some similar traits to your game. It made so much sense for both parties. And then, you know, if he does play in garbage time in some games and looks good, he can go out there next year and parlay this into a bigger offer. Dalton got much more money than I anticipated from Chicago. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, now mind you, a lot of his are with their incentives but mm-hmm. he he went out and he's can get up to 12 and a half million i know he was the starter last year at one point with the charges before justin herbert took over but before uh, his lung got punctured before yeah before <laughs> a team doctor punctured his lung but uh, but even with tyrod taylor i know he got benched quickly in cleveland when he was there so he hasn't even started much in these past few years and he's still getting decent money so trubisky betting on himself first and foremost by taking a year to kind of get into this other system and then saying, I can reestablish my value the following year. I can make more money out there. I'm still relatively young, which he obviously is. There's a lot of reasons that he should, that, that I think he made a good decision, but for the bills, there's plenty of reasons that it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I want to go back and talk a little bit about what you just said uh, in there about the similarities to Josh Allen's game. And this is the piece that, you know, I think I've even been downplaying over the course of the last, you know, few weeks as we've talked about potential backup options. And, you know, there is something really there to getting a guy in here in the backup role that has where where the drop-off in terms of ability, what you can do, isn't as dramatic as, say, going from a Josh Allen who is on this one side of the spectrum to uh, Matt Barkley who – is in a lot of ways immobile. And so I think what this does is it brings in a guy in Mitch Trubisky who has a good arm, who there goes the heater, by the way. So just deal with that for a second. Uh, my wife will probably turn it off. Um, but you can deal with the fact that you're, you don't have Josh Allen because of some of the things that Mitchell Trubisky can do. And you hope that, listen, look at the, the development that we've seen in Josh Allen's game over the last couple of years. Uh, little bit different in terms of what Trubisky struggles with. Uh, accuracy isn't really hasn't really been his problem. It's been the ability to to push the ball downfield with any kind of consistency. So I think that they're not really comparable from that front, but I think that their similarities in the fact that Josh Allen had to overcome something, and maybe Mitchell Trubisky could come in here and try to overcome something himself. Absolutely, and. Going back to what you said, some similar skill set between the two players. Uh, if for any point in time, Brendan Bean alluded to it today, you know, we were a game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, if Josh Allen's out of action for any time, we need someone that can keep the ship afloat. And they, they believe that Trubisky can be that guy, not just because of his uh, 29 and 21 record, because again, quarterback wins is not a real stat, but because he, he has had some success in this league as a passer. He does have similar traits, and that's the big thing. If it's a spot start for Matt Barkley, Brian Dable was fine. He, he, you know, in the second half of that Dolphins game, Barkley was was throwing it all over at a pretty good game there, get, getting Gabriel Davis, things like that. But if it's a three or four game stretch that you need a quarterback, and it and you have to go to Trubisky, you don't have to change your uh, game plan too much or, or your play calling because he, he can do a lot of the same things that Allen can do. Now, does he do it as well as Allen? No, he, he's never come close to the type of season that Allen put up in, in 2020. Let, let's make sure that everyone understands that. But it's also really important, in my opinion, to have a backup who has similar traits to your starter. So that way you're not going into any patch of the season where you have to say, okay, well, we have to scrap this entire section of our playbook because it deals with RPOs or it deals with the quarterback rolling out or moving around. Uh, as much as I love Matt Barkley, I can't think of what game it was. 
he came in for a play and it was a bad snap and he got sacked like immediately and very lucky he didn't fumble on the play and I can't think of what it was it was literally a one play deal where he came back off the field after that and he kind of joked about it after but was it was it a play where it looked like Josh Allen might have had a concussion or was it like an arm injury or something like that it looked like maybe a shoulder yeah I, yeah, I, get, your, I get where you're going with it though right uh, and I think Joe Marino, the draft network, kind of really hit the nail on the head. Early in Josh Allen's career, you needed a veteran that could help him out, and the you know, be it just be that veteran presence, someone uh, a shoulder to, to kind of lean on to get advice from, someone that will listen and answer all your questions. Josh Allen doesn't need that anymore. He he's entering, you know, he's just coming off of a year where he was almost the league's MVP. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're building for okay, if something happens, we need a backup that can come in and win for us. And when you look across the landscape of this league, there's not a lot of teams that have that option. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are actually rolling the dice, so to speak, and playing a very dangerous game because if something happens to their quarterback, it's going to be game over. So I, I like it from that perspective. No one's sitting here saying that Trubisky, if he had to play 10 games, something like that, that the Bills are going to be A-OK. No, but if, it's, if he has to come in and play one or two games in, in 2021, I think the Bills can still win this division. He might be able to uh, win both games, split them, depending on who they play, obviously. He's a capable player. He's a capable player that fits what the Bills do on offense. Maybe that's the best way of saying it. And it's a little bit of a flex by the Bills, I think, too. I think it's a little bit of we've reached a place where we have this unbelievable confidence in our ability to develop talent and develop players and people. And one of the things that Brandon Bean mentioned in his press conferences, this is a kid who a kind hearted kid, uh, somebody that, you know, it seems like they really hit it off uh, when, when having their conversation uh, about bringing him in. And I think that, you know, going back to 2017 before the Chicago bears experience started, you know, there was a lot of people that had high hopes for Mitchell Trubisky in the NFL and what he potentially can do. And if you see that kind of potential as a general manager, it's easy to maybe buy into the fact that, all right, we've we've got such a nice system going on here. We, we've insulated Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a great teammate. We drafted Jake Fromm last year, and look how well that kind of played out over the course of the season, even with the Jake from like chaos in the off season with the, the, the racist text message and all that kind of stuff. So I think that this is just something where you are giving yourself a better chance in case Josh Allen gets hurt. And we all know how he plays the game. And also you set yourself up for the future. Every move that Brandon Bean makes is calculated. So what, what happens when we get to next off season and Mitchell Trubisky, if he's still on the roster, maybe they use him as a trade chip or, or or whatever. If a quarterback goes down week one, week two, and somebody needs a quarterback, and hey, maybe flip Mitchell Trubisky for a fourth round pick or whatever. If he goes and signed a one year, ten million dollar contract, Ryan, he's going to factor into the comp- compensatory formula, and that, those are the kinds of things that I think you think about in a move like this. You hate to lose Matt Barkley because of what he meant in the room. I tweeted about it. The guy has made such an impact from. You know what you how you hear players talk about him from the way the coaches talk about him, and the fact that Sean McDermott specifically brought him up today to talk about how much that guy has helped build the culture here. It's not just Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. I mean, that's got to be an institutional thing from the coaching staff into the locker room, and so you're going to miss that. But now you're at a point where, like we've talked about, you're you have a Super Bowl window that you think is wide open. You got to take advantage of that and protect yourself in the case that the most valuable piece on your roster, just in case he gets injured. Uh, I want to get your final thoughts on this, but before I do hit that like button on this video, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you would, it really helps us out. Uh, Smash that like button. That's what the cool kids say. Right. (laughs) Someone. Thank you. AJ. AJ mentioned it was Joey Bosa. It was in that charges game. Allen got pulled down awkwardly and he kind of limped off for a play. That's what it was. And then, and then the next play was Barkley and he got uh, smashed. But yeah, final thoughts on that. Love the compensatory pick idea, but but also it gives the Bills a second year to evaluate what they have in Jake Fromm. That's another small piece in this. You drafted Drake, Jake Fromm last year. He obviously had the rough go of it in the offseason with, with the text messages, and there was even talk about whether or not 
the, whether the Bills would cut bait with him right then and there. They kept him, but he was kind of pretty much hidden away from everyone this past season as the emergency quarterback in the event that the quarterback room went down with COVID. So year one, who knows what they saw in his development? There's very little out there. This gives them a full offseason to truly evaluate, do we have a potential backup for Josh Allen in Jake Fromm, or do we have to go back to the drawing board in 2022? It's also an insurance policy there, but the skill set makes sense. I love that Brendan Bean mentioned Allen. You know, Allen doesn't shy away from contact, and and it's a dangerous game when you do that. Um, So it's important to have that capable starter uh, that can come in and play a few games if need be. At the end of the day, uh, as tough it is for Matt Barkley because – um, Rachel Bush talked about how it's not going to be the same in Buffalo anymore because uh, of everything that George, how uh, Matt Barkley's wife, I should say, kind of put things together. Rachel Bush kind of said things won't be the same anymore. Mm-hmm. She brought the, the whole team together, the spouses, the players, everything. That's tough. It, it's so it's not just tough in the locker room. It's tough for the spouses. It's tough for the get-togethers, possibly. Um, little things like that but it's also a business at the end of the day. Let's get into some Zach Ertz talk. I know we covered it in pretty big detail the other night, but you know, there's been some additional reporting on the matter. And I know a lot of bills fans, like we mentioned thought that that might've been the pushback uh, for the press conference. You, you gave a great reason why you thought that wasn't going to be the case. Um, but where we're standing right now is so a couple reports um, from Benjamin Albright, who, who tweeted yesterday, I believe that the bills were in the mix uh, and then again today that the problem that's holding things up is that the Bills and the Chargers uh, had offers in reportedly, according to, to Albright, and it's not enough. And Philadelphia wants more, but neither team is willing to up their offer. So a couple minutes later, it's reported all over the place that the Chargers signed Jared Cook uh, to a one-year contract which tells you that they didn't want to wait around anymore for the chance that something doesn't materialize with um, Zach Ertz. And I guess if you add Jared Cook, you could still theoretically add Zach Ertz. I and mean, we just saw the um, Patriots sign two very high-profile tight ends. So nothing's quite off the table ever. But I will say that you know I think the Bills are in the mix for this, but I think that Brandon Bean has the luxury of playing the slow game here because it's not this – unbelievable need where you don't have any other options on your roster right now. Like whatever you think about Dawson Knox, you know, he started games for this team for the last two seasons. So you go in knowing that you have some, a piece on the roster that can um, get the job done to, to a degree. And you hope to the degree that the potential that's there for him. But uh, you know, I think that at this stage, you look around free agency, Ryan, and w- some of the options that are sitting there available, and you go to the edge rusher position, and you look at, you know, a Jadavian Clowney, who we talked about, a Carlos Dunlop, a Melvin Ingram, um, you know, a, a couple different uh, options at edge rusher, um, and you just you wonder how much impact is that player going to make compared to what a Zach Ertz can potentially do for this offense? So. I'm still kind of all in the, on the idea of them pursuing the trade, but I think Brandon Bean is playing this smart, um, and I want to get your thoughts on this, but let me read you this quote. Uh, he was asked in the um, press conference today about trade talks and how this is progressing as the weeks uh, as the week goes on and how things have been this offseason. He said, I think there's a lot of conversations, whether it's a player on a team, that maybe a team is not going to be able to hold because of cap purposes, or they're in a transition period or whatever, that they don't want to let the player go for nothing. They'll say, hey, I'll take X pick for him if you want him because they don't want to release him. They want to get some value out of him, and at some point, maybe between now and the draft, those things will happen. Okay, there's already been conversations that teams have called us about guys, probably calling around the league. They couldn't find a partner, and they went ahead and released them. Those happen a lot too. They happen all the time. There's probably very few that actually occur. The trades that we do see in this league, there's a lot more conversation that happen behind the scenes. So this is something to Bean's point here that this could just end up being uh, a process, you know, for lack of a better term, where 
you know, it's going to take some conversations and maybe the, the Eagles getting used to the idea of the compensation that the Bills might be more comfortable with. And if it doesn't materialize, I think Brandon Bean's probably sitting there saying, okay, I don't have to jump at this because this isn't like a Stefan Diggs thing where I know it's a surefire thing. I know it's a huge gaping hole on my offense that I need to fill. This isn't. This is a, this will be a luxury addition. I've already added Emmanuel Sanders. We'll see what happens with uh, Isaiah McKenzie, but he can kind of slow play this. I, I think slow playing it's exactly right, and maybe it is a one team race now. Uh, you mentioned the fact that yeah, the Chargers could go two tight ends. Well, if that was the original, if that was the game plan, why do you let Hunter Henry walk? Why don't you tag him? Why don't you um, r- really figure that out? Because I know he's making more in New England in terms of overall money over the years. Uh, but the cap hits pretty low with with Henry in New England, so you could have made that work there. And Cook to Henry is a little bit of a downgrade, obviously. In at least in my opinion, I did see some analysts say that they like the the Cook. Well, I think the deal more. Um, but if the Chargers are truly out and the Bills are the only team that reportedly has an offer in, why bid against yourself? Why come back and say, okay, I, I'll give you a fourth instead of a fifth? If you're the only person out there making any kind of offer, sit on that because, like you said. It's a luxury more than anything else. Zach Ertz would help this offense, but Zach Ertz is alone is not taking the Bills to the Super Bowl. He he can be a key part of the offense. He can help this offense win a few games. Uh, the way he uses you know leverage in the system, at least in Philadelphia in his career, the way he get kind of gets open, uh, he'd be another weapon for for Josh Allen. But at the end of the day, he is not a Stephon Diggs type player that that takes you from we can be a playoff team to we can win the division and we can actually make a run to the Super Bowl he's a good player but don't go crazy for it so uh I think Brendan Bean is exactly where he needs to be on this uh we we did have some fan questions in here some that are getting a little impatient in fact saying do they answer any questions so Matt I'm gonna kind of throw it over to you on another player who recently became available today what do you think about Philip Lindsay at running back for the Bills? He originally had the lowest tender, but then after talking, his agent talking with the Broncos, they rescinded it. They released him. So now he is just available on the market. Do you think the Bills are still in the running back game? Are they going to be happy with what they have on their roster, especially after re-signing Taiwan Jones, more of a special teams player, but entitle a running back? Let, let's hear your thoughts on this. Um, I love the idea of Philip Lindsay. And um Patience, my friends. We we're gonna get to it all. We're gonna get we we got nowhere to go right now. We're, we'll be on for a little while. We're gonna get to questions. Uh, I want to get to those two things off the top because they're that you know that we were we were leading into. But we're gonna take your questions. So if you have anything specific you want to talk about, we'll get into cornerback two. Obviously, the Levi Wallace uh, re-signing happened yesterday. We'll talk a bit about that as well, uh, and some details on the punter situation uh, that came out today. Uh, but I like I like the idea of Philip Lindsay because he brings speed, and that's somewhere that. Uh, I think that is lacking in the running back room, even last year with TJ Yeldon on the roster. One person that I know a lot of Bills fans are are hoping and praying for, Christian Wade. I think he has the potential to bring that kind of uh, game-changing speed, but we still don't really know. We haven't watched him in an actual football game in two years, Ryan. Isn't that crazy to think about? By the time we get to training camp, it will be officially two years since we saw him actually play football. And so... I would imagine he's much more prepared and ready to play, but it's just a little bit of a wild card. You, you don't go into a season like this. You know, you're talking about all these different moves that the bills can make to really solidify positions, banking on a guy that just started playing football three years ago. So hmm. with that in mind, I think that a guy like Philip Lindsay at an affordable contract on a, on a small one-year deal. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Bean even alluded to that today. He said they're confident in the running backs. If they go into the season right now with what's on the roster, even without TJ Yeldon, apparently there's confidence there. And Sean McDermott doubled down on that by saying, we think we can run the ball with the guys that we have and the personnel that we have. So they there's belief there. But I think that you they they are open to bringing in competition. Brandon Bean said as much. And I think Philip Lindsay is a nice dynamic change from what the other two players offer. Yeah, and it's so bizarre, his career in general. You know, overlooked, he's brought into Denver – uh, has an unbelievable rookie year. Probably breaks the team, you know, the, the team rookie record if he plays in week seventeen. 
And then they start bringing in competition for him and, and they sign uh, Melvin Gordon to a two year, $60 million deal last year. And he's kind of gets phased out for no real apparent reason. He, he runs the ball. Well, he runs with some speed off, you know, he, he kind of brings a little bit of a different skill set to what the bills currently have with their top two running backs. So I do think he's an interesting fit here. If they sign him, uh, I did see some of the comments say, well, what about Antonio Williams? You're not going to find a bigger Antonio Williams supporter than this guy. I like Antonio Williams. I was I could not have been happier for the guy in week 17 when he ran all over the Dolphins. Um, a player that really stuck it out in, in one of the most bizarre years due to COVID where signed as an undrafted free agent, released before he even practiced once with the team. Then he gets signed, cut, signed, cut so many times, it, you know, through you in a tailspin. But he finally stuck on that practice squad. He, he impressed them enough to give him an opportunity in week 17, and he showed what he could do. So uh, to back up what Sean McDermott says, there's some young, talented backs on this roster. Don't take one season of play, one and, and one season where you didn't have an offseason, you couldn't really work on, on certain things, and you kind of just had to throw Zach Moss out there into the fire. You, you had to kind of go with Devin Singletary as your lead back early because of that. Uh, and, and he p- kind of played a little bit better as a complimentary back in his first season with, with matching up at least a little bit with Frank Gore. So they have talent there. But if you can if you can add competition that maybe can win the job, like a Philip Lindsay, in my opinion, could, then, yeah, by all means, do it if it makes sense financially. We're still seeing really good players getting let go left and right. Kyle Fuller, right before we went on the air tonight at cornerback, uh, the, you know, the Bears are closely or slowly creeping into that Raiders territory in terms of what are they doing this offseason? Cause I have no idea, but talented players are going to keep getting let go. So Brendan Bean right now, who they are up against at cap wise, you know, maybe waiting these things out like a Zach Ertz and all these other things, maybe it's going to benefit the bills because more and more talented players at different positions are still becoming available. I want to get back to and going to the comments and seeing some some things that are said in here. There's a lot of Zach Ertz stuff, and that's why we were spending some time on that. But uh, I see a comment in here from Mike on Facebook that says Zach is not a great player, is a great player, but not a game breaking tight end. And yeah, I don't know if I'd classify him as a game breaker for, for, uh, at all. You're right. I, I think that that's correct. But let me toss this hypothetical at you. Go back to 2017, uh, 2018, when he was you know, playing the best football of his career. Look at the, the the players that were around him and the skill players that were around him. Look at, these are some names. Torrey Smith, fine. Elshon Jeffrey, he was good. He was good for them for a little while. Nelson Aguilar, who was never really that good in Philadelphia. That, last year was a career year, let's be honest. Uh, Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP caliber level in 17 and 18 uh, before the injury. And that's about it. That's about it. This would be by far far and away the best offense that Zach Ertz ever played in. And I think that you have the potential to unlock a lot of what he was able to do three, four years ago by improving the supporting cast around him. He doesn't need to be the featured guy. As a matter of fact, he'll probably be the third option in that offense, maybe fourth, depending on how well Emmanuel Sanders gets himself acclimated. The bills want to run the ball better. That's obviously an off season um, box that they want to check. And so I don't think that you're trading for him and bringing him in here to be Zach Ertz, be the best version of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle that you can be. I don't think you're doing that. I think you're asking him to come in here and fulfill the basic needs for this offense at the tight end position. Catch the ball when it's thrown to you. Get Create separation in at that second and third part of the field, which he's you know been consistently able to do for the most part over the course of his career. And then make big plays and score touchdowns when you get opportunities. Dawson Knox, he did score some touchdowns at the end of last year, but I think they want a little bit more consistency everywhere else from the third-year uh, tight end. Yeah, don't expect him, if, if the Bills do pull off this trade, to become uh, some kind of savior for this offense. The offense is doing just fine without him last year. Uh, but, but like Matt said, to his point, can he make the offense a little bit better in certain areas? Absolutely. He can help a little bit in the blocking. I mean, help in the red zone. Uh, he can help just in terms of the Bills not truly having a consistent, reliable tight end right now. Uh, you see the upside in Dawson Knox. You see the flashes, but it, it's still not all together yet. Maybe having a Zach Ertz in the locker room, having that that guy that he can talk to and say, you know, 
um, learn from him, I guess, learn the ropes that can help him in his development as well. Don't expect any kind of tight end right now because they're not trading for a George Kittle. They're not trading for a Travis Kelsey. Uh, they never made a formal offer to Rob Gronkowski, although Rob Gronkowski 2021 is not the Rob Gronkowski that we saw in the, with the Patriots by any means. Those difference maker tight ends are few and far between in this league. You're going to get a solid, solid player that can help this offense, but you're not getting the missing key to the Super Bowl. Kyle Rudolph signed for two years and $14 million today. And it was reported by Michael Silver, who also reported that the Bills offered Gronkowski and he decided to go to Tampa Bay. So take it for what it's worth. But he reported that the Bills were one of the teams in on Kyle Rudolph. So there was interest there, according to him. I, I would like to ask Brandon Bean that, that before we make that anything, you know, reportable. But if they were in in the mix for Kyle Rudolph, and I I think Zach Ertz is a better all around tight end. Uh, I think he's younger. I think he's a little bit more dynamic as a player. I think that that's the range that you're looking at, and you're probably going to trade for him. You're probably going to have to extend him. And if you're looking at a, even if it ends up being like a three year twenty two million dollar deal, and you can get that guaranteed money at around fourteen, even fourteen million. Just look at the two deals that they just handed out in New England. And I know that Hunter Henry and John Smith, there's a lot of expectation there on those two guys. I mean, they got to go in there. They got to be big time producers. I don't know if that's going to work out, but I think if you get Zach Ertz at that kind of discounted rate, it's a good thing. Um, let's, what else did you see in the comments here? Cause I do want to well, make sure that we're, we got everybody not, non-football real quick. Ryan got, of course I have the okay. Bonnies in round okay. one. Of course I do. They're taking okay. out LSU. They're taking them out. All right. Okay. This is a Bills Sorry. podcast. Would you please keep it? Just kidding. I wear UB Bull stuff every show. I You <laughs> puff that chest out, my friend. Um, Big, big game. I'm going Bonas. I'm going Bonas to the Sweet 16. Let's go. When do they play? When's their first game tomorrow? Saturday, 145. Okay. Why is right. that? Is, is the tournament starting later? It's, well, the, the playing games are tonight. Okay. Uh, in terms of the first four, and those are usually earlier in the week. So yeah, everything got pushed back. Uh, I think the NCA wanted to line it up when with when the Bills are going to trade for Zeckert, so it can absolutely ruin my Saturday. So l- little <laughs> things like that, Matt. I, I just think that they all work together and be like, okay, middle of the day Saturday, Bills can drop some blockbuster news. Ryan's going to be watching that Bonnie's game and have to be torn away from the TV. All right, all right, all right. Well. Just stay positive, my friend. Stay positive. I, I like what the Bonnies are cooking right now, so you should be good. Um, let's go to CB2. Levi Wallace is back. And I know that there's plenty of eye roll emojis happening all over the internet after Levi Wallace is back. Because I think a lot of people were ready to just turn the page and really have to hard reset that CB2 position, whether it be bringing in a veteran, drafting a player, uh, looking kind of towards Dane Jackson and hoping for the best. Um I love the the way that this played out for the Bills, letting not tendering him, letting him become a free agent, him coming back and him coming back with a smile on his face as you uh, wrote up the story the other day, uh, thinks that the Bills are close to winning a Super Bowl and he wants to be a part of it. And so he probably took a little bit less, didn't even consider other offers. So that's part of that culture piece that you're talking about. Levi Wallace is absolutely adored in the locker room. I mean, you talked to Tredavious White about Levi Wallace and that's a guy you want to keep around because – when the chips are down and there's an injury, right? Say you go out and you get a veteran cornerback. Say there's an injury. Say he wins the job and there's an injury. Dane Jackson's injured too. Let's just say, hypothetical, you need somebody that you can rely on. Do you want to count on a fourth, fifth round draft pick that you're going to take in this year's class? Or do you want to take get throw Levi Wallace out there who's started 30 games for this team? I It made too much sense. I love the move. I don't think anybody should be disappointed in it. And I also don't think... This def, this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the day, the day one starter. I don't even think he's the starter heading into camp. I think everything's up for grabs, and it's on everybody else that's brought in to win that job. Yeah, it's going to truly be a competition going into training camp. And right now, obviously, the main two players would be Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, but another veteran can be brought in. Draft A higher draft pick can be brought in. Uh, everything's on the table still. But I almost feel like... I actually, I know fans underrate Levi Wallace. They see him get beat. They see him have some rough games. 
when you have an all pro cornerback on the other side, your number two cornerback is going to get targeted a lot. It's just the way it is. And, and would you like to see him break up some more passes, make some more plays? Yes, absolutely. But the volume is part of that equation. When you're getting that much volume your way, you're going to give up perceptions. You're going to give up yards. It's part of the game. He is an above average number two cornerback. I'm not saying he's a superstar. I'm not saying that Bills fans should be thrilled with him or say that should be our guy long term. But you can do a lot worse than Levi Wallace in, in the NFL. Bottom line, the fact that he came back without listening to offers, and there were offers, as agent said, he didn't even want to counter any offers. He just said, I want to get back to Buffalo. They're going to win a Super Bowl. He, he, there's that family atmosphere in the locker room and that he wanted to return to. He feels like they're on the cusp of something. He's still very young, I believe 25 years old. So playing another one-year deal isn't going to hurt him. There's still going to be many years out there for him to sign a, a bigger deal elsewhere. And joining a team that has some this much talent on both sides of the ball that can be a legitimate contender uh, again in 2021, that, you know, I think there's going to be more national primetime games. There's going to be more eyes on this team than ever before. It's a good opportunity for Levi Wallace to raise his stock in 2021 so that way when he hits free agency again, then he can get that bigger offer elsewhere and maybe cash in. Let's um, move this conversation toward the latter parts here and get into um, where you think that this plays out from here. Because you look at what the Bills have done. They've secured a lot of their own talent. A couple guys have left via free agency. Ty insecki has gone. Uh, Andre Roberts has gone. The Bills actually brought back Taiwan Jones. So keep a, a big piece of their special teams intact. They, they um, restructured Tyler Medikevich recently. So that's those are good things for a special teams unit that I think was really strong in 2020. Uh, but now looking forward and some of the needs that um, they're there, I, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts, Ryan, about who do you think the Bills are looking at now? And I also think this is a fun potential couple weeks here because – I'd argue if you go back and comb the free agent signings now, the last couple seasons, Cole Beasley's probably the biggest free agent signing I think that they've had in this regime just off the top of my head. But I think right there below him, and maybe you could come up with a bigger note. When I, I get it, like Micah Hyde was huge. Um, probably go there. Um, but Daryl Williams, man, he came in the, in the second, maybe almost the start of the third wave when nobody was really even – talking about free agency much anymore. Everybody could kind of turn the page to the draft and that ended up being absolutely massive. So something big could still be coming. I don't think anybody should necessarily think that the bills are done. There's still holes to fill. Absolutely. And, and yeah, in terms of value, it's hard to find a bigger value than what Daryl Johnson or Daryl Williams, I should say did for the bills last did year. I, say Joe Johnson? Uh, I don't I think can't. so. I think I just, I, okay. I just think I messed up and said it. Uh, <laughs> When when it came to that deal, there there were some analysts that said, "Hey, you know, he's a he's a camp body. He's not guaranteed a roster spot." And now you look back on it, you're like, "Boy, you know, I, I get why they said that. He had a really rough year in Carolina where they played him at four different spots, but he, he blew expectations away, and the Bills were able to get him on the cheap. There's going to be players that can be had at very low prices. You're starting to see a lot of frequent signings right now in tier in this second tier." Because I think players and agents are starting to panic a little bit and saying, boy, you know, the dollars are going quickly and there's not a lot out there, but there's still so much talent. Kyle Fuller gets, you know, released tonight. There's still um, defensive linemen and edge rushes that could be let go. There's still other players at key positions that the Bills need. There's still some of their own players they could bring back. Isaiah McKenzie, you mentioned him earlier. I think that he's probably the next on that list of priorities. Uh, because one, you, you know, you can use him as a gadget player on offense. Two, he can be that punt returner. Can he be the kick returner too? Possibly. I don't like to lump one player with both return jobs because sometimes it's not that easy. They, they handle one more than the other uh, for whatever reason. So possibility there. And, and then there's always Dean Marlowe. Marlowe seems to be that guy that sits around for months on end, just knowing he's going to eventually get that call from Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott saying, hey, come on back. And then he, you know, he happily does. So he's a depth option. But in terms of other talent out there, there's still so much. There, there's still a a second wave of cornerbacks. Actually, a lot of the top cornerbacks are still out there, uh, and they're going to have to start settling soon. So the Bills could get that competition piece right there. Um, you know, there's certain players that are starting to go that I liked for the Bills. There was a, a player named Terrell Basham that that signed. 
uh, tonight with Dallas. I think it was a two-year, $6.5 million contract, so about a little over $3 million per year. Played with the Jets most recently. The Bills liked him as, as a player, but I don't think they ever made an offer for him because they're still busy with their own players trying to make moves elsewhere. Um, so little things like that. You're starting to see players, though, accept smaller offers, probably less than they expected. And that is when Brandon Bean is going to make some some moves that I think kind of uh, will impress the fans and will impress the analysts. You saw it today, even with the Trubisky. Uh, you saw Mike Greenberg say, you know, this is why the Bills are one of the best run organizations in the NFL. And if that had been tweeted out about four or five years ago, it would have been in a sarcastic tone. It, it would have been one of those things like, yeah, we get it. This team's terrible. Uh, but that's how far this the Bills have come. They get credit year in, year out for some of these moves that they make. They're very shrewd about the moves that they make. They don't overspend generally. Uh, and when it came to you know going all the way back to Zach Ertz, the, the fact that the report is the Bills won't move off their offer, that is what Brandon Bean does. He makes an offer and he sticks to it. He's not going to come back and increase offers. He's not going to come back and offer free agents $3 million more than, he, than the initial offer. He has price points in mind, whether it's, it's dollars or trade capital, and he stays with it. That's what a good GM does. That's why the Bills are in really good hands, and that's why uh, I think that there's still a lot of good things yet to come for this Bills team. Robert Wilson is wondering what Cynthia Freeland's uh, mysterious rumor mm. tweet was the other night. Your guess is as good as ours. Um, it's funny, it, not to call her out here, but she did kind of um, uh, she kind of hedged her her tweet after after a minute because she said, "Well, one half of it is done." In the Manuel Sanders part, which she said after the fact, which is fine, but um, no, there's, there's, no, it might be the Ertz thing. I know a lot of people. Uh, I've been getting DMs about uh, Christian McCaffrey. Wow, yeah, would that in, in an off season where all Brandon Bean has said has been, you know, the headaches of dealing with this cap situation to trade for a running back that's paid the way that Christian McCaffrey's paid. It just, it doesn't hold up for me. But you know, in terms of options at edge rusher that I think or defensive line in general. Interestingly enough, it just was reported before we went on tonight that um, Akeem Hicks is going to be mm -hmm. uh, available for trade. I don't think anybody's trading for him though, because he comes with a $12 million cap hit. So unless the bears are willing to eat a big chunk of that, uh, I think he's in, uh, I think he's 31 now. I just had his, his profile up here. That sounds about right. I, I would love that idea. Uh, yeah, he's 31. I would love that idea if not for the way that I heard Brandon Bean talk about the defensive line today and star coming back and the confidence in Eric Washington and potentially Mario Addison and Vernon Butler in year two. So I don't think that this is necessarily a pressing deal in terms of edge rusher, but you know my thoughts on Jadavian Clowney. You know, Carlos Dunlap's a guy that we've talked plenty about, Ingram as well. One guy that, you know, as you scroll down the list and as, you know, guys start getting picked off, Kerry Hyder to me is somebody that's really interesting because we watched him live um, when the Bills played the, the Niners. And I, I caught a couple Niners games this year. And, you know, he had a career year and, you know, really put it together as a pass rusher. And I just think that adding a piece like that, you saw Basham's number, if it could come in anywhere around that. Now, I think the problem for Hyder, he's got the one year of production. It's not enough to put him into the Lawson tier. Um, it's probably not even put him in the tier below that. And the problem with that then is his production is probably better in 2020 than the deal that he's going to ultimately get. So then it comes down to where do I want to go? Where do I want to position myself best to have the best chance? That's another thing that you got to remember about all of these edge rushers that end up talking to the bills. If you're trying to do a one-year deal to make a statement in 2021, so you can cash in next off season, the Bills aren't going to sit here and guarantee you even 70% of the snaps. I mean, last year, Hughes and Addison both played 60. And I think the year before, Trent Murphy might have been over 60, but he was he was close to the borderline. Ryan, edge rushers do not play more than 65% of the snaps in this defense. No, no they, they rotate heavily across the board. Defensive ends, defensive tackles, it's just part of this system. Uh, so you want to find someone that's willing to accept that, that's willing to come in and 
I'm not saying to to bring their value back up because you know you, you do look at some of the names that are still out there. There's there's some that are still playing at a high level, but they're older. There might be a few though that are like, okay, if I can come in for one year, I'm still young enough where I can kind of rebound my stock, come back come back next year and, and cash in. Uh, it, it's a possibility. But yeah, whoever comes in has to realize their role is not going to be playing 70, 75% of the snaps. It's going to be 50 to 60%, depending on what side you play, uh, what your skill set is. Are, are you good on the rundowns? Are you someone that can be a difference maker uh, in terms of the pass rush? Because then maybe you play up and as a little bit more on the rundowns. It, it's it all factors in, but the, the Bills are going to give Epineza a lot of snaps this year. They they want to bring their young player along. Addison was brought back for a reason. Hughes is still here for a reason. They're both going to play their fair share of snaps. And they still have Bam Johnson waiting in the wings because of his special teams play. He can be that rotational piece too. So they don't have to press, but it would be nice to see them add one of these uh, players that are still on the market that they think could end up maybe being a situational pass rusher that could could uh, work in terms of a win-win scenario for the player and for the team. Comment here about bringing in Damian Williams. Uh, Kansas City just released him. He could have won Super Bowl MVP two years ago, opted out this past year. I'm not a huge uh, fan of a move like that only because I think he's got a similar skill set to maybe a Zach Moss or even an Antonio Williams who came in and just looked like a world beater. And if you got to pay any kind of amount of money, you want to add something I think that's a little bit different. And that I think goes back to what we were talking about with Philip Lindsay. I want to get into one more topic before we get out of here. If anybody has any more questions, drop them in here. We'll talk about anything that you want for the next few minutes. But one thing is, this is the first time today we got the ch a chance to talk to Brandon and Sean since the roster change started and they decided to move on from John Brown and Quentin Jefferson. There's a lot of dialogue on how that all went down and, you know, John Brown's response after the fact. And I think clearing up some of that is, is important. And I think we got some, some good Intel on, on how that all played out and, you know, going into the situation from my perspective. And I would love, I know some of the, the, the Las Vegas media that cover the Raiders. So maybe we'll get them to ask this question. If that'd be great. in John Brown's first press conference is, did he really go into the, that final week before free agency not knowing that his contract situation was a situation? Because I think that's where you have to start here. And I think that that maybe could have been asked of Brandon. I don't know how much he would have gone into that part of it because he doesn't really like to take you too much into that. But, you know, he basically said Sean and Brandon called John Brown. They had a conversation with him. They explained you were in our plans before the pandemic hit. We got to this stage. I, I think even probably going back to January that they still would have liked to have found a way to keep John Brown. But I think it got to a point where the savings were too much, Ryan. It's something, you know, when, when you see it all over social media for weeks and weeks and weeks and all the graphics and the tweets and the Instagram posts, the savings, the seven point whatever million dollars that they could add back to their cap. John Brown's a guy that has had lower body injuries pretty much his entire career. And it's always been something that creeps up and becomes a problem. So knowing that and the fact that this offense kept humming without him, I think it just became a, a business decision that we're going to move on. Now, John Brown basically said on his interview, I felt like he didn't, he didn't see it coming. And then he mentioned the fact that he would have liked to have known if Josh Allen was kind of asked about his opinion. And then Brandon Bean comes out today and says that sometimes they do ask Josh Allen or tell Josh Allen and try to have some type of dialogue. Um, but I think at the end of the day, even with that kind of thing, I think fans have to understand that this is a business and, and teams and organizations, as much as they value the player's opinion, and I'm sure jo Josh Allen's going to tell you probably he wants everybody back, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily work like that. And this was just a fiscal move that just had to be made. Right. If it was a normal year, the cap was still going up. And let's just say that John Brown's cap number was more like six or seven and still maybe overpaid at that total. I think that Josh Allen would have said, hey, he's still one of my guys. He's over a thousand yard receiver a few years ago. I would love to have him back. Now, obviously, Allen's, Allen's opinion, Allen's stance is not going to make or break whether or not the Bills decide to keep a player. It doesn't matter regular year, uh, year coming off of a pandemic, whatever the case may be. 
But this year was was definitely the exception to the rule. It doesn't really matter what Josh Allen thought about a lot of these guys. You had a lot of tough business decisions to make. Like they said today, John Brown was in their plans. Uh, Quentin Jefferson was in their plans. Both of them have signed very team-friendly deals with the, with, uh, the Raiders, in fact. Um, so it's just how it had to be this year. It's a business. I, I, I'm blown away that John Brown said he didn't see this coming. I don't know how you didn't see it coming. The fact that you missed time, the fact that the bills played well without you, the fact that your cap hit was so high, everything pointed to this being a, a potential cut situation, a significant pay cut situation, something along those lines, a cut and resign scenario, maybe. Um, but, but to say that I didn't see it coming, that, that definitely surprised me. And I'm hoping that when he does meet with the media for the first time, we get some more clarity on that. Was that really what happened? Was, was it maybe just a case that he went on radio a day after he was cut and, and the wound was still a little bit fresh mm. and feelings were hurt and, and maybe, you know, he, he'd sit back and say, you know, we did have that conversation. I, I should have realized that this was a, a legitimate possibility. Um, sometimes in the heat of the moment you say things you don't mean, or, or maybe you, you say things that, um, I don't know how that would get taken out of context, but you, you say things that maybe you made a mistake in terms of how you phrased it and worded it. And that might be the case at the end of the day of what happened here. All right, everybody, we are going to get out of here on that note. Uh, wanted to hit you with uh, some reaction to Mitchell Trubisky, uh, take some of your questions, uh, and, and listen, both of our DMS are always open. If your question doesn't ever get hit in the, in the uh, chat, I'm talking with Bills fans all the time. Head over to Twitter as well. We're doing this new thing with uh, Twitter Spaces, where it's basically like a live audio podcast and kind of like just a, a hangout session. And we, we've been doing a, a bunch of those over there. If you can hit that like button on the video right now, we really appreciate that. It helps us uh, get it out to everybody a little bit more. Hit that subscribe button. Find us on the audio platforms too. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will be back the next time there's news or next Wednesday. But I would imagine that we'll probably have something to chew on in the next couple of days. Well, for your sakes, I hope anyway. All right, everybody, have a great night. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Take care.